Today the church remembers the conversion of St. Paul, born Saul of Tarsus. The story of St. Paul and his mission and ministry in the early church is worth a long study for all of us. When I was a youth, probably before high school, we studied his travels in CCD over in the Walsh Building as the parish encouraged those in Catholic schools to attend CCD as well as those in public and private schools so that we could be in formation together while our parents attended adult faith formation in the theater, now Trinity Hall. Going to the tombs afterwards by families was optional. As that youth, I marveled at the map which showed how much Paul had traveled around the Mediterranean, but I don't think that I wondered how it was that God had chosen someone who had persecuted the early church as the one to spread the gospel to so many around the Roman Empire. I wasn't seeing Paul as one who had been a persecutor, but as one who himself was persecuted. I saw him not as he had been, but who he had become, who Christ had invited him to be. On our first reflection of Paul being the missionary for so many communities, it seems quite odd that his conversion came after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus, and not while he was able to be with Peter, James, John, Mary, and Martha, and the others. We might wonder at so important a missionary being absent from the Last Supper, from conversation face to face with the Jesus of ministry and the risen Christ, as the apostles and disciples did. Maybe that's the point. We can each of us identify with Jesus in different ways. The close intimacy of Jesus with Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, with the convoluted arc of Peter's confession of Jesus's messianic identity, his denial of Jesus, and his redemption by the Sea of Galilee, with the publican in the last pews, the woman caught in adultery, the man born blind, and the leper, all of whom Jesus spoke with, who heard his voice, were shown his mercy and God's love, and were in his presence prior to the resurrection. They formed a personal relationship with Jesus. St. Paul did as well, but after the resurrection and the ascension, and that is a model for us. If Paul was chosen after being a persecutor of the early church, then one could say there is no one whom Jesus doesn't want to call, whom Jesus doesn't want to love, whom Jesus doesn't want to invite to communion and to ministry, whom he doesn't want to encounter as risen Christ. Jesus reaches out to people whom we don't expect, and those to whom he reaches out, including us, all of us who hear this, may not expect to be called. This is a staggering idea. We can often feel more comfortable if we know who's going to be there at the table, if we know who we will find ourselves ministering to and with, who we will see receiving God's love or God's blessing. Perhaps if we were among the early church after the persecution of St. Stephen, we would have seen Paul or Saul, as he was better known then, as the person whom we'd initially not want to minister to, 
of whom we were afraid, but with the gift of courage from the Holy Spirit, deciding to reach out to and having a conversation with him, with those who persecute us, to whom we are afraid of, to listen to them what is going on in their lives, their fears and hopes, dreams, concerns, and ideas. For if we don't reach out to the people who are unfamiliar to us or who make us uncomfortable, what does that say about us? Are we only to be church with those whom we know well? Do we not want to have new friends in Christ or have new ministers for the church? As Christians, disciples of the risen Christ, it is not up to us to determine whom Jesus calls to fellowship. It is not up to us to decide whom God shows love and grace. It is not up to us to choose how the Holy Spirit inspires others, but it is up to us how we respond to those whom we encounter. And in that, let us always model Jesus the Christ.